0: Welcome to the three martini lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up. We've once again made it to Friday. I consider that a good martini, but we're really glad you're with us. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you to end out the week, brought to you today by Quip. Jim, this is an interesting way to consider this a good martini. It's good in some ways that somebody's actually looking at the long term effects of what the proposed Biden stimulus could actually mean, Uh, but the reason he's sounding the alarms is not exactly something that we would share in terms of his concerns. Uh, Larry Summers, uh, formerly the Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton, which is a long time ago now, it's like more than 20 years ago, but uh, he was also up at Harvard and then maybe he's still there, but remember he said something about women not being as interested in math and engineering and he got canceled there for a while? Well, He's back. He's back. He's written an opinion piece in the Washington Post where he's concerned that Biden's doing too much in this stimulus. He couches that by saying Obama didn't do enough in his stimulus, with which we would heartily disagree back in 2009. But he says $1.9 trillion is too much. There's already tens of billions of dollars in additional debt each month from what's already been passed from back in December and even before that, money that hasn't been spent yet. And so he says another essentially $2 trillion uh, could be a big problem because it could lead to massive inflation. He says, in fact, it could lead to some of the biggest inflation we've seen since uh, World War II and the aftermath of that. And that could mean that uh, there would have to be mitigating factors taken to... Prevent our prices from skyrocketing out of control. But he's also worried, Jim, and I think you and I are more concerned about inflation than this. He's worried that if Biden spends too much money on the stimulus, he's not going to have as much left for his green energy agenda, his climate agenda, his economic justice agenda, whatever the heck that means. So uh, some of his woke liberal priorities might not get funding if, in fact, this goes through and they have to take a back seat. So I guess in some ways, that could actually be a good thing if he goes through with the $1.9 trillion and they spend it on vaccine distribution and some other things. So uh, either way, we're going to be in a lot more debt. But uh, what do you make of Larry Summers saying, watch out for the inflation trap here and some other things?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we can talk about these sorts, make these sorts of arguments that the uh, $1.9 trillion is far too large as much as we like. and the Democratic senators and members of the House are just not going to listen to us. Uh, we are all crazy right wingers in their eyes, but it's very hard to argue that Larry Summers is a crazy right winger, uh, and that he is, you know, uh, got some sort of nefarious, uh, you know, attempt to undermine it. The, the number that jumps out in his op-ed to me is when he says, "Where the Obama stimulus was about as half as large as the output shortfall, right, the hole in the economy created by that great recession of what should be there." the proposed Biden stimulus is three times as large as the projected shortfall. Relative to the size of the gap being addressed, it is six times as large. In other words, he's argued like this is giant and huge. And, you know, for a long time, we haven't really had inflation be that bad. We haven't seen anything like the, you know, Gerald Ford and the whip inflation now buttons and and things like that in a really long time. So the kind of people forget about an economic problem when it doesn't show up for a decade or two decades or several decades in a row. Well, Larry Summers is saying, look, if the government borrows this ungodly sum and then pumps that out, then yes, you can have uh, inflation because you'd have too much money chasing too few goods. Uh, I'll let the economists debate about that, but the fact that Larry Summers is sounding the alarm and he's doing such a way in such a, a high profile and you know uh, unflinching way is probably going to make certain Democratic senators, you know, if not completely oppose this, want to tap the brakes on this. Joe Manchin was already sounding like he didn't want to vote for a uh, a stimulus package that was going to pass along partisan lines. Uh, Biden administration had a, you know, 20 senator proposal, 10 Democrats, 10 Republicans, much smaller than they initially wanted, but you'd get a bipartisan victory there and they've turned that down. Uh, and then the second point about, you know, the idea of, well, if you do this, how much does this leave for everything else Biden wants to do? You talk to certain presidential historians and there's kind of this, uh, particularly in recent presidencies, the sense that presidents get to do only like one or two really big things. For Trump, that big tax cut and, you know, repealing the Obamacare mandate and that uh, kind of first thing. After that, you know, the Ob- replacing Obamacare, they never got the votes together on. You lost control of the Democrats. control won control of the House. Enacting the agenda was much tougher. Um, Obama, Obamacare. And once Republicans had control of one house of Congress, got a lot harder to get stuff passed. Um, and, and presidencies do a lot of different things, but big consequential not getting buy-in from the opposition party. You only get a few bites at the apple. At this, really probably only one. And so if this is the first thing Biden wants to do well, that's it. That's what you're spending your political capital on. And I just kind of underlined that if they do this in a partisan way, where it passes 51 to 50, well, that doesn't enhance your political capital. That doesn't make Republicans want to, you know, sign on to the next idea that comes down the pike. So, you know, if you b- build bipartisan cooperation early on, you might be able to draw on that later on. But if you don't do it, well, then you're starting from scratch with the next one. And there's even probably a little bit of resentment amongst Republicans who feel like, look, I reached out to the Biden team and you guys rejected what I put on the table, so why should I work with you this time? So if Larry Summers is sounding this alarm, that's a good sign. And if Democrats are listening to it and heeding it as the Politico playbook uh, newsletter, not written by Ben Shapiro today uh, says, then that's an even better sign. So a little bit of bumps in the engine uh, for this idea that the you know uh, Democrats are just gonna ram this thing through through reconciliation and get exactly what they want. And they'll be able to do it for a lot for, n- for the next two years. You don't. You only get so many bites at the apple, and putting together a co- legislative coalition is a lot tougher than it looks from the outside.
0: No, that's true. And uh, Bernie, the budget committee chairman, which is scary enough, uh, wants to use reconciliation on a lot of things. We'll see if he's able to do that. He's going to need every Democrat to do that. And he got that on this particular uh, issue with the COVID relief. But uh, it leads to voteramas, too, Jim. And so the Republicans get to force votes on things that make Democrats awkward. But even if they pass, they don't necessarily end up in the final legislation. But uh, fun to watch. Uh, People have to actually take votes in the Senate on stuff. All right. uh, Let's talk about quip. Uh, We need good health in general, we need good oral health. Uh, So you know, you need to brush, you know, you need to floss. What about chewing gum, though? Gum was thought to be not good for your teeth and gums, but gum is actually the unsung hero when it comes to better oral health. Did you know that? I sure didn't. The American Dental Association recommends chewing sugar-free gum for 20 minutes after meals. And guess what? Now, Quip has you covered.
1: The Slim Travel Ready Dispenser, which is available in five colors, metal or plastic, packs and protects up to 10 gum pieces at one time and fits in just about any purse or pocket for when you're on the go. And in a world where we all need to be extra safe and hygienic, the quick release button means you can still share with friends. No wrappers, no hands, no hassles. You can add a gum refill plan for a gift that keeps on giving all year round. Quip's customizable subscription lets you chew and share at your own pace and not worry about running out. Plus the more you buy, the more you save with bulk discounts on extra gum packs. I just got my gum and
0: my dispenser, which is really cool. You click it open, uh, the thing comes out, and you chew it. Good minty flavor. Uh, you can pair it with the Quip electric toothbrush for adults or kids, refillable floss, and other great products. Get Chewing for less than $2 per gum pack, and if you go to getquip.com martini right now, you get a free plastic dispenser with any refill plan. That's a free dispenser at getquip.com martini, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini. Quip, the Good Habits Company. All right, Jim, yesterday our good martini was uh, some really far-left mayors finally being fed up with teachers' unions and really wanting kids back for in-person instruction soon. I mean, we're talking Lori Lightfoot and London Breed. It doesn't get more lefty than that. The Biden administration's kind of stuck in the middle here. Joe is absolutely beholden to the teachers union. So he's trying to slow this while saying he wants kids back in school as soon as possible. But he's talking about having to rework the ventilation system in most schools across the country. And obviously that would take a ton of money and a lot of time. And so now he's got uh, the head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, saying, you know, I think it's safe to get back in school even before teachers are vaccinated. A reporter pointed that out to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki yesterday. And well, here's the exchange. Yesterday, the head of the CDC, as you know, said that it was safe to reopen schools without vaccinating teachers. You said that the White House was still waiting waiting for the official guidance before making a final determination. Why isn't what the director of the CDC says, why isn't that enough? Well, first, the the director of the CDC also has said they haven't issued their final guidance, and we, of course, wait for that process to complete and see its way through. As she would say as well, I believe she did an interview last night where she spoke to this uh, issue again. The President, uh, let me be crystal clear, wants schools to open. He wants them to stay open, um, and that is – and he wants to do that safely. And he wants health and medical experts to be the guides for uh, how we should do exactly that. So we're just not — she — the the, — Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out so we can use that as a guide for schools around the country. So Jim, Biden's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to look like he wants kids back in school, but he's clearly not ready uh, to go against the unions here by sending Saki out there saying, well, yeah, this is what Dr. Walensky said, but the final guidance hasn't been uh, put out yet. So this is kind of her personal opinion. What do you make of this?
1: Uh, in part because look, I, I get why reporters in the White House didn't like Kaylee McInerney. And yes, they're left of center. Most of them are left of center. Most of them don't hide it very well. They, they don't like to fine. And I suppose it was inevitable that whoever became the press secretary for the new Biden administration was going to get a lot, of, a lot of source greasing profiles early on. Source greasing is when you write nice things about someone hoping they will answer your phone calls, right? So okay, so you decide it was destined that Jem Saki was going to get you know be greeted with hosannas and nice praise, and oh, wasn't she a refreshing breath of fresh air? Blah blah blah. Uh, you probably heard about the, the CNN cry on how refreshing. Well, here we go. How many times in the last year did we hear that Joe Biden and his administration would listen to the experts and science? I'm sorry, science. <laughs> like they do in that old music video, all capitals. If you can't, do, it's not merely like science lowercase. It's science in capital letters, Greg which as many people who email me believe makes it more uh, reliable and trustworthy uh, (laughs) and more compelling, you know, they weren't going to allow political pressure to influence public health policy. Well, here comes the CDC director, her assessment. There was no, she didn't stutter. There was no ifs, ands, buts, no caveats, no uncertainty, right? There is increasing data to suggest that schools can safely reopen and that safe reopening does not require teachers to be vaccinated in order to reopen safely, you know, the vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. It's right there, black and white. There's no wiggle room. There's no, but maybe we still need it or, or anything like that. She didn't add anything like that. Now she's at the White House, right? This is, this is part of a briefing for reporters. I don't know if she was in the White House. I think she was, you know, from video, probably from CDC headquarters or something. And then Jen Psaki comes out and says, well, she said it in her personal capacity. No, bull. There's lots of other words I wanted to use in there, OK, you know, horse, that involve horses and, and other types of uh, animals and the kind of manure. The, the director of the CDC doesn't have, well, here are my personal recommendations and here are my totally different official recommendations. If a CDC director did that, we probably wouldn't want that person to still be the CDC director. You don't want them saying, well, look, our policy says that you should wear a mask, but my personal opinion is that you shouldn't. You know, that, that wouldn't be very good at all. You don't want to say uh, my you know professional opinion is that Moderna and Pfizer are both safe, but my personal opinion is totally different. I only think one of them is good. Like that, that'd, be, that'd be terrible. So there is no personal, you know, professional division on these sorts of things. When, you know, uh, Rochelle Walensky says something, she is speaking as the CDC director, right? There is no uh, this is not the Pope speaking as the Pope versus his uh, speaking in matters of faith and morals, right? This is this is clear. There is no wiggle room. Pesaki comes out and says, the first time that what the scientists are saying contradicts what the political allies of Biden want. What does Jen Pesaki do? Oh, that's just her personal opinion. That's just her personal assessment. Ridiculous. This is this is the sort of thing that Jen Psaki should get ro- raked over the coals. Unfortunately, far too many publications and in media institutions are living down to our expectations. They're just not interested in holding the Biden administration accountable the way they patted themselves on the back for holding the Trump administration accountable.
0: Maybe that's what she should have circled
1: back on and Ah. come up with a really good answer. (laughs) Yeah, eventually you do enough circling back, Greg, you end up going around in circles. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at the BillWaltonShow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.
0: All right, speaking of the Bidens, not the Biden administration, Uh, Hunter Biden is back in the news briefly, Uh, nothing as tawdry as for why he's usually in the headlines, but uh, he's decided he's going to write a tell-all book. Politico has the story, among others, and it looks like he's going to spend a lot of time talking about his struggles with addiction. The book is set to be released April 6th, so clearly he's been working on this for a while. It's only a couple months away from hitting the shelves and and uh, folks ordering it if they want it. Uh, Jim, uh, the addiction story could be compelling. It could be powerful. Hopefully he's learned some lessons from it. Maybe he can uh, help some people with the things he's learned along the way. But the addiction story is not all that is part of the Hunter Biden story. So if it really is a tell-all story from Hunter Biden, we're missing a few things here. We're missing China business. We're talking uh, Ukraine business, everything Tony Bobolinsky talked about. Uh, ditching his wife or his brother's widow uh, disturbingly close to his brother's funeral. Uh, then there's the uh, stripper he impregnated and denied he was the father. And then it was the current wife he married after just knowing her for a few days. So I'm not going to read this thing. I really don't want to know a lot of the details about the things I generally know about Hunter Biden. But I don't think what we're getting uh, is going to be a real tell-all.
1: If this generally was um, Hunter Biden hooked up to a lie detector or something or, or being interviewed by somebody... Uh, willing to ask him all the tough questions um, or someone else writing a biography or, or, you know, a really in-depth profile in a, you know, high, high quality magazine. Uh, I'd be interested in hearing it. I, I look, you know, that, that uh, no doubt for all of his other uh, bad judgment that did not occur under the influence of uh, illegal substances, he's a troubled guy. I, I would rather see Hunter Biden get his life together than to continue to be on the path that he's been on for quite some time. Um, and the sneaking suspicion that being the you know a senator's son and then being a vice president's son has insulated him from the consequences of those bad decisions for a very long time. Um, you may be envious of how Hunter Biden escaped consequences for a while, long while, but I don't think you'd ever want to trade places with him. That said, I'm not counting on this being a full accounting or a full, as you said, the genuine tell all, because there's a lot of stuff beyond his, like addiction is something that for very good reason, stirs sympathy in a lot of people's hearts. A lot of people have struggled with it. A lot of people know someone who struggled with it. A lot of people have seen someone they love or someone in their family, uh, you know, whether it was booze, whether it was drugs, uh, you know, overeating, gambling, nicotine, you know, there are a lot of stuff we do that is very damaging to us. That part of, of Hunter Biden, look, I'm a, I'm a human being. I can relate to that. I can understand that. Honestly, I Honestly, want to rake him over the coals for that. Although I do want, you know, want to ask the question, um, was he honorably discharged, I believe, or was he dishonorably discharged? I mean, like, when you want to talk about people who have gone to jail for long sentences for crack, Hunter Biden is not. If he's not the vice president's son, does that sort of thing happen? Will he talk about the diamond he got from the Chinese businessman that came up in his divorce proceedings? I, I think that's the part that jumps out of me that I'd love to hear. I haven't heard anything about this in this book. He's going to address this, which is how many people have said to Hunter Biden, and I believe it was the stepson of John Kerry and various other folks, hey, we really want to do business with you. And we want to do, uh, you know, we want to put a lot of money in your pocket with this investment firm you you and your buddies have set up. And we we think you're just swell. And it has nothing to do with you being the son of the vice president. I'd love to hear him talk about how he, how he get that gig on Burisma? What made him qualified? And at any point, did it cross his mind? Hey, do they really want me or do they just want my last name to be on this board in order to lend credibility and stature and, and all that kind of stuff? I don't think there will be uh, that full a... Uh, a reckoning. I I I love to be proven wrong. I'd love to be su- pleasantly surprised about Hunter Biden being very self-aware of all the things that have happened in his life because of who his father is and what you know his father's uh, power and influence were able to to do for him. Uh, I don't you know, and if it, if he does, great. But I'm not counting on that. And my sneaking suspicion is that you know I, I also notice, Greg, notice he's doing this. He's telling his story in a format where we have to pay him. <laughs>
0: Hey, Hunter brings a, a big price tag. I mean, the Ukrainians were paying him 80 grand a month, so
1: 25 bucks for the book might be. I believe he said he was dead broke in a New Yorker interview, which <laughs> kind of wonder, like, man, how do you go dead broke? Oh, oh, hookers and, and strippers and uh, and cocaine. That's how you do that. Okay, so there you go. I, I shouldn't make fun of the guy, but dear God, like a little a little self-awareness might do him some good. We'll see. Again, you know, as I just said, you, know, you have to pay him money. The good news is when this comes out, a lot of news organizations will run articles on all the juicy stuff. But... Uh, you know, my suspicion is if nothing ever, like, as I laid out in an extensive timeline last year, like Hunter Biden, fresh out of law school, was working for MBNA, which is like one of the biggest employers in Delaware. Now, you can't tell me that being the son of a senator from Delaware doesn't help you. And then he formed a lobbying firm. And he said, oh, I never, I never you know, lobbied my dad. Well, no, but like, it's all your dad's buddies, right? How, you know, gee, do you think that gave you a leg up when you were trying to persuade senators to put in earmarks? His entire life story is one of privilege and being, you know, uh, having all kinds of special doors open for him because of who his dad was. If he's honest about that, great. But my suspicion is there'll be a lot of, you know, I'm addicted. Feel sorry for me. Sorry, Hunter Biden. I, I I got other people in this life I can feel a lot more sorry for. Ah, uh, just
0: to clarify, he was administratively discharged, not dishonorably. Uh, that is a common a form of discharging from the military for drug use, according to a fact check from last year when Hunter was in the news. So Jim,, uh, I know you don't have a huge dog in the fight. I'm guessing you're cheering for Brady to lose this weekend, but uh, who you got
1: in the Super Bowl? um, it's been it's been kind of fun to watch the coverage over the last two weeks because you can, you know, you're either betting against Patrick Mahomes, probably the best quarterback in the game right now, and, and a, just an off the charts phenomenon, or you're betting against Tom Grady, which, you know, more times than not is not the wise money. Um, I, I feel kind of like a win win, Greg, in the sense that either I watch Tom Brady lose, which is always fun, or I watch Tom Brady win a Super Bowl one year removed from being on the Patriots demonstrating that it was never a, a Patriots dynasty. It was always a Tom Brady dynasty. And I, I think that guy, you know, Belichick, he's vastly overrated. You know, he's, he, was, he, he, was, he was riding uh, Brady's coattails the whole time. Um, so it's one or the other. I think Chiefs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I'll probably be rooting for the Chiefs. But if Brady happens to win, then it means that it was always him and the, the Patriots themselves were uh, carried aloft by him. Fascinating stuff. I hope Belichick listens to this podcast, not
0: only for (laughs) the frequent Patriots content, but I can just picture him fuming. I mean, not with much emotion because he doesn't really have any, but as he hears that, he's like, I'll show him next year. I'll show him
1: next year. Uh, Greg, I'm sure he's already on a Cincinnati.
0: A lot of cap room a lot of Capron uh so yeah I think the Chiefs will probably win the Bucs are playing at home first time that's ever happened in a Super Bowl they did play at Tampa earlier this year the Chiefs won narrowly so given the fact that they were just in the Super Bowl last year they know what to expect and other than Brady not many others do for the Bucs you got to give the Chiefs a slight edge I think they are the slight favorite and so let's just hope it's a good game and that the commercials aren't too woke can we get both of those
1: (laughs) Is it too much to ask, dear? Yeah. Well, no, no Clydesdales because they have to run ads encouraging people to get vaccinated, Greg. Can't we have Clydesdales bringing the vaccine somewhere? Uh, it's, uh, you know, do better than certain states. <laughs> Jim, have a good
0: weekend. See you Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our friends over at Quip. Get their gum in addition to the great toothbrush and their floss. uh, Getquip.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the 3 Martini Lunch podcast. We always love your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Thank you for those. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Find us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend. No matter which team you cheer for, and we'll see you Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.